Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Trends with Friends, episode five. Uh, I'm your host this week, Riley Roseby. I was called up. Any emerging athlete loves to be called up and was gracious to be called up this week. I'm joined alongside Howard Lidzen, who is eating the best pizza on the planet. JC Peretz, Noble Bakery, Master Noble of bakery. Charts, Noble Bakery, shout out Noble Bakery, and Dr. Phil Perlman, maybe the most inspiring shrink on the street. Wow. Welcome, boys. Good to be here, Mr. Rosenberg. Uh, JC. It's over? Roseby. Uh, JC, let's run through some charts. We're going to start with chart art. Uh, today is March 1st, 2023, so we have a plethora of monthly candles to look after. Um, why don't you walk the walk us through these, JC? This is your moment. Like you love turning this, the calendar, right? You love turning. This the could calendar. be our best program every month. Is the one with the fresh charts. Well, you know, it, it, we only get twelve of these data points every year. I mean, I'm telling you guys from the bottom of my heart. All of you guys know me very well. You guys know how many charts I look at. You know uh, the amount of work that we put in. I promise you. These, this process at the end of every month, going through that monthly data, how long does it take me? 30 minutes? I mean, I'm a little OCD, so maybe it takes me an hour, hour and a half, because I can't help myself. But for normal people, it should take no more than 20, 30 minutes, maybe even less. And you do it 12 times a year. I promise you, that is the most valuable 6 to 12 hours I spend a year, every year consistently. Because not only does it help you sort of identify the underlying trends it forces you to take a step back it, it leaves you no choice but to uh, 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 appreciate the direction of the underlying trend so there's a there's kind of a common theme that i want to start out with you know that i'm seeing a lot of these assets retesting the former cycles highs in other words last time the cycle was up here we crashed ultimately we uh, resolved higher beyond that prior cycles high and then we've successfully retested you're looking at financials and home construction, obviously 0607 were the prior cycle's highs. We all know what happened from there. We had the great financial crisis, housing bubble crash, all those things. We came back to those levels in 18, again in 2020, and then ultimately in 2020, 2021, we made new all-time highs. Finally able to exceed those prior cycle's highs. And then last summer, we successfully retested those levels. So... If we are above those prior cycles highs, how bad could things be? And these are really two important sectors, financials and home builders, right? Yeah. That's cool. So, I mean, it's been dead money theoretically for 20 years, but right now they're in the buy zone. Yeah. Yeah. Right? So we successfully... Is that old saw still at play? Like, so goes the... The financials, so goes the market, or something like that. We don't have bull markets in America with financials crashing, and you know a lot of countries no. around the world have a lot of exposure to financials. So you can't really hide. Financials are intertwined. You know, it's not like oh, financials are only important in Europe and not in America, or financials no. are only in Asia. Like they're just all over. You know, you look at some of these Latin American countries. Financials make up uh, a huge exposure. As important as they are in America, they're way. Singapore is 50% financials, for example, right? Um, no, How's the Singapore market doing relate, excuse me, related to that? Now I have gas. The whole yeah, stuff, well, but, it's uh, going to be it's going to be less exposed to growth than something like the United States. So like in an environment that interest rates are rising, which uh, Riley, if you want to pull that up, you could show the next chart could be interest rates rising. You know, 
uh, I had another question about the financials. How about the financials relative to the S&P? I, I, I think I saw that chart looks beautiful too, right? Well, remember, financials have been outperforming a lot of those, you know, maybe not in this year, right, where we've gotten some mean reversion in some of these growth areas, but bigger picture, financials, industrials, materials, like those are the areas that have been doing well consistently that are the closest to their all-time highs. And that's normal for an environment where rates are rising. And some of these growth areas, as well as they got started at the beginning of the year, they're nowhere near those highs. I think what JC's saying, pull that first chart back up, Riley. If you can, I think what JC is saying is pretty smart in that you're not, we're not in an end of the world scenario. It was like, like I said, last year it was easy to get caught up, but the, we haven't had this, uh, I feel like it's potential, but again, like until further notice, I'm going to stick with JC here. We didn't have the, um, the spreading of, you know, there was no viral contagion from tech. By the way, we'll get into it. My tech is getting worse, not better. So, you know, remains to be seen whether this spread, the contagion of tech spreads, you know, into financials and housing. We talked about it a little bit last week. But right now, these are two really important numbers. And I think where JC saying next is interest rate. Interest rates plays a huge factor in, in these as well. So yeah, keep because, going, you know, there's, a, there's a time and a place for everything. People are like, oh, I'm a growth investor. Why are you a growth investor? Because growth did so well for so long. Oh, I only invest in American stocks. Like, why? Because America had outperformed for so long. Like, there's a time and a place for everything. And when interest rates are rising, you want to look back in history and see what are the types of stocks that do well in that environment and what are the types of stocks that do poorly. And when you look at the current environment, it makes perfect sense by all historical means. So you could see interest rates rising, and it's not just an American thing. You're seeing German rates making new highs. Australia, Canada, right? So you're seeing it in Europe. This, this is a global phenomenon of higher interest rates. It's not, what did the Fed say today? It's, it's much bigger than that, and it's global. Um, so I wanted to just kind of reiterate the types of sectors that are doing well. Riley, the next chart yes. that I want you to pull up is the, um, let's talk about uh, Bitcoin and Ethereum, because it's the same thing as financials and home construction, where they're successfully retesting the prior cycle's highs Bitcoin and Ethereum did the same thing. In this case, the prior cycle's highs wasn't 0607. It was late 2017. As you recall, every, your drunk uncle during the holidays asking you how to buy Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies and all that stuff. That was the end of 2017, early 2018. They collapsed from there. Ultimately, when we exceeded those levels after COVID, we came down and retested those levels. So as long as Bitcoin and Ethereum are above their prior cycle's highs, I think it's the same exact concept as financials and home construction the world's not falling apart the world's not coming to an end quite the obvious opposite i think that we need to be accumulating and then the third chart of this entire conversation is gold i want to chime in can i chime in on bitcoin and ethereum without wrecking you jc or you you tell me pull that back up riley i'm going to give again jc's looking price volume sentiment i'm going to look at it from like fundamentally maybe not so much fundamental but you could not throw more shit at Bitcoin and Ethereum. First of all, there's never the scams are never going to go away. People that like do not want to dive into crypto because of scams, fully respect. It doesn't matter what you do. Enough people are over the hump. Now, enough people aren't over the hump that will bring us into the next bull market quite yet because we need more. Well, we need some innovation around discussion 
wallets, you know, having a decentralized Twitter like Blue Sky from Jack, all nonsense, right? We need practical, real use cases. Disrupting Twitter in 2023 is not a practical use case. So, hey, Howard, how about what, that Bitcoin payment network? It's like global, seamless, low price. Uh, that, w- that would be called Bitcoin. The uh, so so well, yeah, you know like, what I'm talking about. There's yeah, a, no, what, I, what's that called, Riley? Lightning Network. The Lightning, lightning network. network. Yeah, yeah. Well, again, a lot of hype. It's working. It's working. It Listen, works. The, the and it's innovation easy, right? we've talked about it before. The innovation is stable coins. Fred, listen. When when I'm in doubt, I go to Fred Wilson and people that have got this right for a very long time. Okay, and kept it simple. This is about stable coins. And if the U.S. doesn't over politicize this whole thing, having a U.S. dollar backed stable coin or keep having a U.S. backed stable coin is a smart thing for the U.S. You know, I talked about it in, in all the time, right? Being able for people to switch out of crypto into U.S. dollars is great. And I think what you're seeing with Bitcoin and Ethereum is. It sentiment-wise could not be worse. We know everything. FTX scam, uh, centralized exchanges, no good, or be very careful. Wallets don't have the uptake that people need. And yet Bitcoin and Ethereum, as JC's chart shows, are still above 2017 last bubble prices. That's phenomenal, okay, for an industry that the SEC is leaning on an industry that U.S. doesn't want really any part of. And so it's saying more than just the price and volume, JC. And that's why I'm not running from the hills in this space and keeping an eye on it, is that you have to invest in this because other people smarter than us, non-scammers, continue to find and be curious about this space. So. You know, back below the lows of June or wherever that was, JC, I think that's a bad sign. But considering there's no custody, there's no, like, you know, uh, all the custodians are basically out of business. And the fact is that Bitcoin and Ethereum continue to, you know, hold up is a very bullish sign. Now, if you're day trading this, I have no idea. If you're swing trading this, I have no idea. But from this look... And applying what I know about like behavior of like the the tech the tech crowd, I think there's still a lot to be liked about you know Web three and and crypto. All right, I mean, keep going, keep going. It, it's really the same principle as the Great Financial Crisis and the uh, and the uh, housing bubble. If we're above those prior cycles, I think I think I think things are fine. Same thing with cryptocurrencies, and then I'll give you the third one, which is gold. And those prior cycles highs in the case of gold was 2011. And we are not above those prior cycles highs uh, in gold. So you know how we're looking at financials and homies above the prior cycles Mm -hmm. highs. We're looking at Bitcoin Mm -hmm. and Ethereum above their prior cycles highs. In the case of gold, this peak was in 2011. And we're still not above those levels. So this is a good example of one that could potentially look like those right but we're still below that overhead supply so there's still work to do but it's the same principle it's the same idea and ultimately we might be talking about gold breaking out and retesting uh those former levels like ethereum bitcoin financials and home construction have um gold still has work to do but it's the same principle same idea when gold if gold gets through this finally oh my goodness you won't have much it's the eighth mouth 
eighth, eighth most catches the Chiefs here, JC. I'll be watching, but like, they're where would you play the minors here, or just the straight futures if we get above the two thousand? What do you? Do? Yeah, it, it depends on your objectives. You know, for me, the way I like to be in precious metals is I like to, you know, go down uh, the cap scale. I like to uh, make sure that the uh, beta is high. Because in prior gold cycles, I've made the mistake of being too conservative. And I think I'm all yeah. fancy with my 50, 80% returns. And then I talk to my homies out in uh, Vancouver, and they're telling me about their 10 baggers and 20 baggers. And I feel like <laughs> such an idiot. Well, I Your mean, homies in Vancouver are the exact same people that have spammed me in crypto. But yes, you can't find someone in Vancouver who hates gold. That is yeah, sure. yeah, they love their gold out there. So that's where the homies are. So I'm talking about my 50, they're 80% return, it. and they got 10 and 20 baggers. And, you know, and here I am. So I, I, I don't make that mistake anymore. So I go to the beta. So I trade gold by looking for other vehicles to express that bullish thesis. And I definitely go down the, you know, out on the risk scale uh, because of those experiences. Right, Perlman? Your, your experiences shape the way you approach the market. That, that FOMO that I, I feel, uh, it, you know, in, from prior cycles, I do not allow to get in my way anymore. Right? I just go for it. Whenever, whenever JC's bullish gold, he calls me up and he's like, he's got some junior miner that is just like the most yeah. disgusting thing you could ever look at, and it's going freaking crazy. Yeah, and that's yeah, that's, yeah. that's the JC. He's like he's looking for something have, that is levered. I do have a question. When JC though, comes with gold, gold. It's like coming with pizza, though. I, I I won't listen to any gold bugs. But if technically gold's going to do its thing, and we know the U.S. is a shit show in many ways around to do with monetary the policy, gold yeah. makes time highs in every other currency around the world. In fact, yeah. it's not yeah. what the only currency is not making new all-time highs is in the dollar. So if anything, America is yeah. the best place. I do have a question though. So with Bitcoin, Bitcoin's typically referred to as this digital gold. Do you yeah. see at any point when those two are going to converge? Or, like, can we have these two assets continuing to trend higher in tandem? They won't converge because they're, they're, they're different folks for different strokes. I'll let JC answer after a fill. But, yeah, I mean, you know, for me, I don't want to own gold. I may trade it, but I would definitely – I've kept some Bitcoin. I've kept some Ethereum. That's about the only two I own. I have some funds. But – the I'm not looking to add more. If it works, it works, and my kids will get it, and I'll get an email from uh, my account that says, "Here's your uh, passcode." And Max will spend it on gum and and Tinder, uh, like he does everything else. I the most likely person in this group to have gold in their backyard, I would say Phil. Like right now, Phil may not admit it, but I think if we put one of those like hover things over Phil's backyard, there'd be a bar somewhere. What would you say, JC? I am actually in the process of uh, investing in a private placement in a Mexican gold miner. God honest truth. So you want to talk about going out on the risk scale. Like literally, this is what I'm doing. It's a 12-month minimum hold unless like I go to Canada and there's some loophole I can but get why, at six months or something like that. Why, why is that the best way, knowing what you know? Why is that, not, why is that better than trading futures if and when it breaks out? I don't right. Know. So I think that we ultimately break out. So here's my thought process. So I think we ultimately break out. I'm friends with gold, old school gold bugs because I used to be a gold bug 15, 20 years ago. So I'm still in cahoots with these fellas. So I call my guys that, you know, know about <laughs> sticking holes in the ground and whatnot. And I call them. I'm like, hey, I think gold ultimately breaks out. If it does, the smallest little tiny nothing with a liar standing next to a hole in the ground is going to go up 50 times. So how do which one do I buy? Because there's a ton of these little nothings. So he's like, 
one of my guys, he's like, I don't want to mention any names. He's like, this company here, I'll introduce you to the CEO. So I did. And you should have heard this conversation. They're telling me about their holes in the ground and what metals they're finding and this. And I'm like, let me stop you right there. I don't care. I assume you're a liar. I don't care. It doesn't matter to me at all. I just want to know how I invest. My boy says, you guys are good. That's good enough for me. How do I buy it? And he's like, well, let me tell you about this. I don't care. Stop. How do I invest? You didn't think, ask about devaluation? I think like I when you're doing these are liquid It's like things. 18 million. 18 million American. And then like 25 Canadian or something. I don't know. It's nothing. And they're going on and on and on. And I'm like, guy, I, I don't care. It, you're making it, me nervous. We're having this you're conversation. You're making me nervous. You got, so- you got a tequila deal going on and a gold deal. Uh, by the way, you know, both both probably recession-proof at some level, except they're both startups, which I am a little bit nervous about. They're All right, so JC lost his mind. JC can't be helped. We're, let's go back to the charts here. Uh, go, what was after gold? What was I just want to comment that you just pounded that pizza in the first 10 minutes of the show. <laughs> I have such I have such. It was a beautiful pizza, but that was freaking gross, man. you just like, oh. This is why... This is why I will always be five to six pounds overweight and still relatively happy. Uh, It's not part of the Perlman program, as long as you're happy. I'm going to pound 20 minutes on the uh, Peloton. I figured out this 20-minute program on Peloton. Uh, I figured out the 20 minutes where I can burn 350 to 400 calories uh, is better than the 40 minutes where I burn 550. And so I found this, like, daily way to burn a pizza, pretty much. And I'm never going to have the breasts of, like, you. I'm always going to have the breasts of, like, a bad, white, 57-year-old guy with a bad diet. But you know what? I just... Inhaling that pizza is like him looking at the monthly charts. You know, that same look in my eye, right? Where I get that same... Where JC only gets it once a month. I get it daily, uh, and Noble Bakery, literally, don't go there because I go there and I don't need crowds, but I have to pimp it because it is the best pizza. All right, JC, what chart was next? What chart was next? Well, I think the oil... Natural gas? Why don't you go to the oil futures before the natural gas? Show the oil futures, Riley. You know, for me, those 2018 highs, it's clean. You know, it's clean. Those we're, we're pulling highs, back. We're not there. We're not there. We're back to those oh. levels. You know, four months in a row, oil, you know closes the month well off its lows that former resistance turning into support you know if oil's above those levels in the 70s you know you got to think higher um and if if interest rates are going higher they're going higher for a reason oil's probably not crashing in that environment why don't you show the oil overlaid with the uh the tips the tips treasuries Mm. ratio you know and you could really see there so this is inflation protected treasuries relative to nominal yielding what's that saying What's that saying? I see that. I see. Word, what's the bond market pricing in for inflation? And it looks like oil. So if the bond market's pricing in higher inflation, that means oil's probably going higher. So interest rates are going higher for a reason. So we, you know, even if, though a recession may happen. So, so I thought like this is a tricky one because with rates going up or down, there's no evidence that it uh-huh. does at all. Um, so okay. we focus on the bond market's interpretation of the market, not some lagging economic indicator that some people in some organization somewhere decide nine months okay. too late, you know? Uh-huh. Really interesting. Right. So so that chart in oil really does say that uh, 
we sh that that there may not be a recession, but also more importantly, what you're saying is that interest rates are driving this more than uh, the economy per se. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what a recession has. Again, I I don't know what a recession has anything to do with the direction of stock prices or oil prices. But I will say that the bond market pricing in higher inflation and oil going up makes sense with higher interest rates. So what this allows us to do as investors is to put everything into context. Are we in an environment that rates are going up, and which types of stocks do well in that environment, or are we in the type of market where rates are going down, where different types of stocks do well? And the evidence continues to suggest that investing in a rising rate environment will continue to pay way higher than investing in a world that you think is in a lower rate environment. There's just no evidence of that at all. And energy is in that category of financials, industrials, materials, that non-growth, more cyclical rotation, which is why Europe keeps outperforming and everything like that. And then if you want to go to natural gas, you know, everybody was like, oh, my God, natural gas crisis. You know, war is going to send natural gas prices through the roof and all that stuff. And like, I don't know anything about any of that, but I saw that natural gas prices completely collapsed uh, all the way down to levels not seen in a couple of years. Uh, we're seeing the highest volume ever in the natural gas ETF. And when I see that, it just stinks of, capit of capitulation. Very similar yeah. to Tesla, where we broke below key levels and then reversed back and then ripped and doubled. I think natural gas has a very, very similar setup. And the fact that I'm getting text messages from Lindzen about his natural gas position, I'm like, is this, am I reading this right? Is Lindzen long natty gas? Dude, what is this world coming to? First of all, I haven't thought about natural gas outside of my own natural gas this much in forever. I've never put on a natural gas trade. I don't even know what it is. Don't tell me about fracking. Uh, although I think Phil rents out his backyards to frackers. That's the most I know about fracking. Um, we do a little bit of that. We do fracking and gold mining there in New Jersey. But bit, oh my God, like everybody who wanted to stop out of this or needed to stop out just got hit. Doesn't mean, so I know where my stop is, JC. Right. So this is why I put on the trade. I know where my stop is. Like you're not anywhere below, closing below that red bar. I'm just out. So when I know where I can stop and trade against that, I had to put on a position. I've been wait, waiting and watching for a couple months. Um, it's pro I'm probably not playing it right. There's probably great ways to play natural gas for the next year, but I'm lazy. Um, was there another idea to do than, than other than UNG to put on a trade here? Obviously, there's lots, but is there anything yeah, else you're looking I at? Like, I, I like the chemicals. So um, uh, I'm going to show you the chemical stock that I like, but let's put up the FTSE chart first so that you could see the United Kingdom making new all-time highs. So the UK literally just closed back-to-back -back months, new all-time highs. Fun fact, uh, the United Kingdom has 0% exposure to technology uh, in their indexes. So you're getting that value-oriented sort of exposure, you know, same as Europe. Europe continues to do well. Look at London making new all-time highs. So you go to the next chart so you can show Lind. And this is the chemical stock that also just went out at new all-time highs. Uh, and very simply, you know, uh, stocks that make new all-time highs, you know what they do just before that? They usually make new all-time highs. And right before that, they're making new all-time highs. So don't be no. afraid of stocks. You know, just because it's near the top of the chart doesn't mean there's resistance there. Right, it's just a you got to pinch the y-axis, right, Perlman? Tell them, yeah. pinch the y-axis. You got to pinch the y-axis. <laughs> pinch it, baby. Pinch it, baby. All right, so there's a couple names. Is there, JC, is, 
JC, I do have a question though. So all February, we were talking about this February hangover in the cycle that we're kind of just in currently. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly what we saw. And so now we're seeing all these risk on assets hanging out at those levels. Yeah. I mean, are you expecting that the February hangover is going to lead to like a continuing, continuous party? Are yeah. you thinking that's where we're going? I mean, there's no evidence that suggests otherwise. We're in a raging bull market. February usually sucks. We said that coming in. Uh, February did suck. Um, it wasn't really so bad. Um, a lot of a lot of stocks were still up in February. A lot of the indexes were were flat, basically. Some were down a little bit, so it was just messy mostly, which is perfectly normal. Setting up for a rally into March and April, I think that would make sense. Um, you know, you really what I what I would be watching for is an expansion in new highs. You know, that's really what we're looking for to confirm that that in fact is the case. So, getting back to your question, no, there's no evidence that suggests that. This wasn't just a hangover in February. This is perfectly normal. And um, and again, it doesn't mean that we're just going to blindly buy stocks no matter what, even though Lynn is making new all-time highs. In my opinion, 350 is the level there. 350, uh, I think you got a target near 440. That's 25, 30% of upside. But again, 350 is the, the, the risk level. If we're not above 350, then we're not making new all-time highs. And that bullish thesis is not valid. Patience is more prudent in that environment. Above 350, I think you can be as long as you want. Uh, I think you got 90 points of upside, you know, 25%. Uh, was that all the charts that JC had? We'll move on or were, were anything left? That is, that? A, yeah, we could we could go on charts all day long with JC. But right, let's, well, let's, let's, Howard, let's move into the private markets because we did see a chart this week that VC funding is at a nine-year low. Can you walk us through why this market dried up? Uh, you know, it's. I, I think it's a little bit more of exhaustion, right? If you could pull up that AGG, the interest rate chart, too. Um, I think that I had sent you earlier from Twitter. It was really interesting. I think JC had it in their uh, charts of the day. But we're at this major confluence of events, and it's being driven by what happened in the past. You know, we want to look forward. JC's investing in startups. Phil and I are talking about a few startups. Um, I'm throwing my hat in the ring with uh, something that incubator that I've been sharing with Phil uh, um, around uh, community. And so here you can see we've, we've gone a record streak. This was up in JC. This was in your uh, daily chart uh, thing. Record streak without a new high for the bond. AGG continues just about two times. So we are literally, I would say, JC, this is like the biggest bond bear market. I don't know. How would you describe this? Even though it's like the chart, you can't see it. I mean, this is a raging bear market that trapped, you know, a whole generation of people that rely on income, like at the worst possible time. You know, if you're over 70 and you were chasing yield and buying Apple 1% bonds or whatever, Google 1% bonds, 100-year bonds, or the government, Trump was floating that 100-year idea, which he would have been a great fucking idea. Um, but like all his ideas, it was just an, it, was a, it was a tweet, and then he forgot about it. But you know, so if those, the boomers finally get screwed, I mean, there's some virtue in that, right? I don't think there's some virtue. I mean, the point is, it's the markets, right, Phil? So it's like you know this more than anybody. Like, how does this chart play out behaviorally? And this is the chart that's probably driving more of what's happening in the private markets than anything else, you know, including the public markets, right? At least in the public markets, you can express yourself like JC talks about in financials 
uh, and in you know industrials and in foreign countries that don't have exposure to tech. There's a million ways to play this in the private in the public markets, and you have the option of getting liquid. So we just went through this let's call it ten year period where everybody could have a startup or a gold mining company as as JC does or a tequila company or a fintech company or a payments company or a Shopify store and God bless it was a it was a fabulous time and like any party that goes on longer than ever we didn't know how it would stop and those that speculated that Uber was the top or WeWork was the top or Airbnb was the top or SPACs were the top eventually yes 2021 January February was the top okay but there were three or four years including the COVID crash and rebound that you would have been sitting on the sideline during some meaty gains so now that we know where the problem lied and it was probably interest rates we also know that there's these other problems that sit in the private market is the good investors that can raise money raised as much as they could there was this hoarding of assets that took place because that's the game if you want to be Goldman Sachs or private markets, you're Andreessen or Index or Tiger or Co2, you had one job, which is to raise assets, to feed your family and to feed the machines. And they did a hell of a job. And we thought it was cute and we thought it was funny and we thought it was smart and we thought that the party would go on. But now that faucet's been turned off in two ways. First, interest rates. And this isn't some ordinary bear market and in bonds you can see it by that chart we just showed it's gone on longer than ever and then you also have just exhaustion right there's just not enough good founders and then you combine that with prices being way too high for the for the amount of liquidity that you're sacrificing and you have this vicious circle happening in the private markets and we haven't even gotten to the point of finger pointing yet there's these quiet shutdowns and cram downs happening in the private market and so i you know doesn't mean investing in private markets is dead it just means you know the returns can't be there for everybody and i worry for those people that got into that you call them tourists but the people that got into the business in 2018 that you know we were all thinking at the time was the top Obviously, that went on through 2021. So it just trapped more people in a profession that's very hard to do. You have to have these incredible networks. You have to understand how markets work. You have to understand how liquidity works. You now have to work for free in many ways because you're going to be on the board or helping these companies that were overpriced or can survive for 10 years. And so they're going to be on your books. And no one likes messy books, you know, when you're an investor. There's a, there's a, there's a point where you're just get exhaustion from seeing things that really don't have value but haven't shut down yet. So I think, you know, I think we're starting to see the markets, at least the public markets, under you know, at least get that attraction going because, you know what, there's liquidity. Like if you don't like industrials the next day or oil, you can get out of them. In the private markets, you know, I don't think people really understand how much damage and overhang there is. And then for those people writing checks today and that feel like, now we have at least better prices than a bottom in, in private. You know, prices have come down enough. And I think a lot of people in the private markets are now thinking, oh, well, at least prices are down 50%. Um, but the problem is you're tying up your money for 10 years. The other problem is 
assuming rates stay where they are at five, six percent, you are assuming that the next round of financing, which was a layup for 10 years, will happen. So even if you're founder and you have the best idea, if you have to go tap the capital markets in a year or two, there's no guarantee that it won't get worse. So um, I think it's just not enough people understand you know, the life cycle of, of starting businesses. And, you know, I don't think enough people have taken off that growth mindset, you know, of the 2010, 2021 zero interest rate environment and put on the idea of you got to have growth, you have to have margin, and now you have to have like profit or at least cash flow positive type numbers. That's a whole, those are three, two, at least two, growth mattered. But the other thing is all three are harder now because growth is more expensive than it ever was because you're competing against more people. You have Apple shutting down their pipes. You have Facebook, you know, struggling and now figuring out how to like recover with AI for their marketing. So everything's gotten more expensive. So growth has gotten more expensive. At the same time, venture investors are demanding you raise less money or have product market fit much sooner and have a, a pathway to profitability. And then you have to have incredible margins to get VCs. So, you know, it's a great time to make friends with someone like JC or understand the markets because this is going to go on, I think, unfortunately. And again, I always say this hoping I'm wrong. I'm not trying to be bearish. I'm just telling people what I see. Um, this could go on for many more years. Um, and, and it's great, as I talked about in the first two episodes, to have this organic growth around AI. That's fantastic. But it's not going to be investable for everybody, much like Web 2 was. AI is going to be great for everybody, but it's not a very investable category yet. Um, and those that, those that are attracting money are attracting so at valuations. It's really only for the biggest of big venture funds. So, you know, that's my take on the private markets. The, other, the, the thing that I wrote about, and I'll, I'll quickly end, Yesterday, um, I'm just going to pull it up quickly because Fred Wilson had chimed in on this, and I don't think people are talking about this enough, is, you know, what happens in this bull market, uh, and it happened in 99 in the stock market, and it happened in the Robin Hood era here in 2021, is everybody becomes an expert, which is fun, right? Like, we, we've been through this cycle. Uh, Phil and I were on the Amazon message boards on Yahoo. Uh, we were on the GameStop stock to its message boards, AMC, Bitcoin, Ethereum. So it dragged everybody into the game. But people were in the game for the wrong reasons, right? And now we have to thin the herds out. And so in my industry, venture capitalists, you know, who are we working for? And I think there's just so much capital out there that doesn't know who the customer is and who the shareholder is. And... Um, you know, when you're when you're a venture capitalist, this is a very kind of nuanced area. You know, um, Phil and JC are both LPs in in funds, and they also are investors in companies. And so, you know, there's a school that Fred Wilson says, you know, that you're the founder is um, the uh, customer. And this is a really interesting topic because if you're a young Investor, you look up to Fred, so you read his blog, and you say, listen, the maestro, the one of the best investors of all time uh, in the private market says that the founder is the customer. And so that was the mind share, and he still says it, but you, you gotta really be able to read between the lines. Fred understands markets, 
and there's a very nuanced feeling between how much you know how much power you give the founder and so by the end of this cycle everybody was on board as like founder decides we love the founder founder is god could be the next travis could be you know the next airbnb and everybody was treating the founder which is fine as the customer but forgot that the lp can be the customer too, right? So it's, it's those people that, that balance. You have to know markets well enough to balance that the founder isn't God and the LP isn't God. As a venture capitalist, it's our job to make sure you know both sides can be the customer and both sides can be the shareholder. And you really have to understand markets as we're learning now to understand when things lean too far towards customer as, as the founder is customer versus the LP is customer. So I think my concern here is that people are just, you know, reading a blog post or, or, or you know, very early in this game, I'm making these grand generalizations about how this business works. And it's supremely nuanced and it's supremely illiquid, as people are going to find out. And it's an extremely hard to get a company from scratch uh, to, let's say, a, a B round, if not an IPO. So, you know, I wanted to get that out there and I'll let you guys chime in because you guys both make private investments as well. Howard, I, I do have a follow-up question real quick, though. So with kind of this dry up in the VC market, what would you recommend to students or young people who they saw this VC space heating up in like the 2010 era and they're like, ooh, I wanna go work in VC. What, what would you say to them? Like, go do something else for the next three years until the markets start running again or? Yeah, I don't think ever be, like my daughter wants to be a VC. I mean, she, she grew up around it, no different than a celebrity or a movie star, their kids, you know, the, the, the celebrity parents always say, oh, I don't want my kid to be uh, an actor or get into the business, right? And I don't know if it's the same for, you know, Phil and psycho like if it's the same in other categories. Um, but I think in as a VC, it's probably the closest I could imagine to being a celebrity, meaning it's not that glamorous, right? I think what people thought um, is that it was glamorous, right? Everybody could do a Robin Hood. You know, I was lucky enough to invest in LifeLock, too much, a few kind of monster home runs. But, I, you know, I give credit to the macro more than my own genius. And I also give a lot of credit to the community around me. The timing, we just happened to have an incredible mac, macro drop, backdrop. And then we happened to have mobile phone, smartphone, AWS, Google, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, all converge to help people get on the internet. And then you throw in Shopify and a million and China and now India. It's obviously we got cooked up in this you know, euphoria that uh, you don't need skills, right? That like you could read a couple blog posts and you could be a VC and it's not that glamorous. And that's what I'm saying. The luster is coming off this. A lot of part about being a VC is, is problem solving, uh, not just the fun part of like how to get the next 10 customers. And then a lot of the issues that founders are, are realizing is like, I don't have time for sales. Well, that's the only thing you're really supposed to be focused on is recruiting and sales. Right. So, so, you know, you know, it's just we went through this period where it was glamorous to be an angel investor. So what I would tell people that want to be a venture investor, I only know one 
that came out of school and went right to venture capital, and that is Fred Wilson. And I don't, and I think he'd be the first to tell you what a stupid idea that would be. Go get your ass kicked. Go get yelled at at a company. Go deal with a drunk uh, sales leader. Go, you know, go like the like the show The Office. Go experience the office environment, which is really a problem for young kids. They don't have the office environment, but go experience the the problems of an everyday, even profitable business and the politics that goes on and the, you know, the family stuff that goes on and just the nonsense. And then, you know, factor that into how hard it would be to start a company. Now, it was great that we had zero interest rates and everybody did it. That's fantastic. But I just think that's over. And so the, the faster people realize that and really develop an expertise at something, the better. And venture capital is not an expertise. Venture capital is a lifestyle and a privilege that very few people have for, for a reason. It's, it's kind of a weird, esoteric, much like art collecting. It's, it's not for everybody. Go ahead. Chime in, guys. So I had just two comments. One, the question I thought you were going to ask, Riley, is about the entrepreneur at this time. Yeah. Because it's a whole different, uh, it's a whole different environment for raising and I would posit that it's actually a great environment to be an entrepreneur right now. However, it's more of a time to be an entrepreneur where you are uh, much tighter, much leaner, much more narrow in terms of the path that you take. So you're not going to go right. You're not going to go super big out of the gate, try to raise all this money, and become a a, a, a sort of. Uh, a, a victim to growth like you have this mandate you have you have to grow you can go lean and you can start a company there are all these tools right now it's an incredible environment you yeah. can start it very lean you can get yourself cash flow positive in a short order and grow in a much sort of more rational way that's number one number two going back to the discussion about that, that brought this up Going back to the discussion about bonds, um, the cycles, we, we, we have this tendency, and this is the, sort of a, bit, a little behavioral twist here. We have this tendency to think everything's going to just happen so quickly. And if yeah. you go back and you look at the, and I have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow. I'm just saying, if you go back and you look at the duration of the bull market in bonds, the cycle there, it was so long it went on for so long for 40 years 40 years and so now that we have possibly reached the end of that and we're seeing this uptick in rates that we haven't seen in a long time that could go on for much i mean it may not i have no idea what's going to happen in the future but from a cyclical point of view uh and a trend point of view if that is the beginning of a trend that trend could go on for many, 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 many years to come. And so when JC is showing the financials breaking out or, you know, uh, the Euro you know, some European markets making all time highs, those could be those could just be getting going. You know, right. those could be very early on. And this higher interest rate mindset could it, it might be a need to it, it might be the type of thing that we we need to adopt that. And say, okay, here's where we are. Not, hey, that's going to pass, and tech stocks are going to come back next week. 
And here, listen, we'll end with a few ideas because there are tech stocks breaking out. But, you know, and, and I always, JC and I talk about startups all the time, and I'm always the most cautious. You know, no one gets more excited about people want to invest in startups than me because it changed my life, right? I'm a founder of many companies. I'm starting another one. Um, social leverage in itself is a startup as a VC. I encourage JC to start his own business, which he sold. You know, I encourage you, Phil, to start your own business. The thing is, 99% of businesses don't need venture capital investing. And I think that is a big problem, is people realizing this is a grind like anything else. JC built All-Star Church. It's a fucking grind. And better you know now, right? Like, and so, yes, like Phil's saying, we could go back to 0% interest rates. Of course it could happen. Uh, United States is addicted to growth and maybe maybe we can't stand it but all signals point to the fed saying you know what the stock market will be fine we have bigger problems than the stock market and again we have four-year presidential cycles so so realistically you know it's hard to predict if this new trend will persist but like phil says we've seen a few cycles we're all you know phil and i are in our 50s you guys are much younger but we've seen a few of these cycles to know that there was something doesn't it come down to grit, Perlman? You know, at the end of the day, you know, higher interest rates, lower interest rates, bull market, bear market, you know, some of these entrepreneurs just, they don't have it, right? It's just not in them. They want to be an entrepreneur so they could tell people they're the CEO of whatever, you know, they get in over their heads, you know, even, even success stories, you know, you feel like you're in over your head at times, but, you know... I can tell you, it is not easy, and I, I, I see it. People are like, oh, JC could do it, I could do it. And I'm like, yeah, maybe you can, but you probably can't. You know, it, it, it's, you know it's, it's not for everybody. Being an entrepreneur also, much like trading, is you have to be very honest. Like, you know, no one asked me. Everybody thought I was smart, you know, my investors. But, you know, being an operator is much different than being an entrepreneur. And being a recruiter is much different than being an entrepreneur. Being a money raiser, for sure. You, you don't lie to yourself. If you can't raise money, don't start a company. Um, but beyond raising money, if you're good at raising money, you still have to be good at recruiting. You still have to be good at firing and operations. And like I said, we went from an environment, no matter what happens next, we are now mentally, you know, hindsight bias, recency bias, in a theory where investors, the good investors, the professional investors, are not just going to ask you about your growth. They're going to ask you about your margins. They're going to ask you about when you're going to get to break even. And they're going to make sure that you understand a lot more about your sector than, hey, I just left Goldman and I want to be in the crypto space. Or I just left Facebook and I want to be in the crypto space. I'm going to whip up an app. So you're going to get a lot more, uh, what do you call it, stringent diligence that went, went that went on in the last five years so the market i'm just trying to say that like we are now learning what we didn't know about venture capital that was a golden era of capital raising that ended and now we're like uh riley pointed out at the beginning that got this conversation going was we're at a nine-year low in fundraising and a lot of that is just people are burnt out people are slowly realizing what we're telling you from the charts and from interest rates and so long answer short, Riley, is I don't see with 5% interest rates on treasuries, the competition for returns has a new entrance. And that entrant is basically a new form of free money versus investing, which is treasuries. Now, that probably can't persist either because that's not good for the economy. You know, 5%, nine-year, nine-month paper. 
uh, is going to take a lot of people out of the market. But at the same time, why I'm nervous is Robin, you can go open up a Robin account and your best trade of the year might be just putting all your money in a Robin Hood uh, money market account that's 4.11%. And right now, 90% of America, including a lot of startups that I know that have $10 million on the balance sheet, are earning 0.11 on their cash balance. So we still haven't even seen people realize that they can get a free 4% on their money and instead they're still trading AMC and crypto. And so I'm saying we haven't even... Data suggests, the data suggests they came into the year with huge cash balances. We're not... You, you know, at zero, but they're not taking not advantage of the 4%, JC. Traders are trading yeah. AMC, but in aggregate... Nobody's trading AMC. It's irrelevant. There's historic cash levels coming into the year. Cash that would be a I'm great. Saying. That would be a great recommendation for viewers. If you're sitting on a ton of cash and you're I getting meant, paid zero, yeah, that's go what I meant. Find JC. yourself where you can get paid for over four percent and park some of it there because, yeah, you know, over the course of a longer period of time, that makes a a, a huge. Huge difference in huge your cash difference. position. Well, what, well, all I meant, JC, is yes, there's, that's one of the most bullish things out there. America printed all this cash and whatever wasn't lost is going to be invested. The question is, what's that breakdown? My, 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 my notes say that most of that money is sitting in point like interest rate bearing accounts that are a joke compared to what's available to people. People haven't done the work, which is kind of a sign of the times, right? Like if you're, if TikTok, if the number one person on TikTok's not mentioning to you that you can get 4% of your money in Robinhood, people's first response when they hear the name Robinhood is nausea or I hate the brand yeah, but Howard, or they any, screwed any, me. Any real investor that's actually moving markets is not either on Robinhood or on TikTok. Um, no, but Schwab, I mean, no, I'm saying even even some of our companies that have 50 million in the bank, their boards haven't told them about treasuries. That's all I'm saying. I'm seeing this not anecdote. I'm seeing this in our own portfolio, JC. So this JC, like your point earlier about grit, a thousand percent uh, agree with that. Uh, you know, I just I'm, a, I'm an example. I just started my own company. Uh, and I'm just getting going. And every single day I wake up, it's incredibly exciting. You know, I would have uh, access to capital that maybe not every younger founder would have right out of the gate. Not really interested in that. And uh, I wake up every single morning and just think, okay, what can I do today uh, to make this great, to make my endeavor fantastic? And it doesn't matter what I have to do. Um, well, I've got some um, advice I'm, I'm for in. you. I've got some advice. Um, you know, we we use our brains, right? Our brains are our tools, as opposed to if you know you were a car auto manufacturer, uh, or you know you have the tools in your factory or whatever, or if you're you know work sewing machines, you've got your sewing machine. And when you're home, there's nothing you could do without your your you know pimp sewing machine in the factory right you're home so you turned off and you're doing other things and you don't have to worry about the sewing factory but us that you use our brains i think it's important for entrepreneurs to be aware of that uh because it the brain doesn't turn off you know you could be laying in bed and you're thinking about some deal or conversation that you had earlier that day or the next day and it's harder to turn it off because our, our brains are our tools if i can offer any advice at all to entrepreneurs out there uh, or people who are problem solvers as an occupation, think about that. 
because um, it's 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 very natural and and very difficult to avoid. Really, uh, is using our tools from work when we're not working, um, and some of that is okay. I find uh, inspiration random times uh, things that help me at work. But you, I think you really want to be aware of how much uh, extra time you're spending. Yeah, and you and, and Phil, you got a network around you that's like you're managing the expectations of your own expectations, and you know how you're using your capital. And I think the biggest, you know, comment that I have is we went through ten years where everybody thought they had a, a right to raise venture capital, and God bless that window is closed. Um, that's kind of was my point, and we'll end it right there. Um, you want to go to ideas, or Phil, is there a topic that we no? Missed we have a we, we have a. a scientific journal that phil shared with us okay what um is it? the artificial the science s- corner Dude, shrink, cor- to- shrink corner shrink corner this is we're going we're going straight to the shrink the artificial sweetener erythritol and cardiovascular event risk phil oh, you said this is right? blowing up on twitter can you walk us through it this is blowing up uh, across the health community now and the reason that i br- the reason that i brought it to this talk it, to this podcast is because I'm seeing it in like USA Today, huge story in the New York Times today. This is a big story that people who are not within the health community and sort of obsessed with these kind of things are going to be he- you're going to be hearing more about it. Uh, you're going to see it on the news. You're going to read about it in, like I said, in the New York Times. There'll be a story in the Journal, I'm sure. Uh, you'll probably hear what is, about it. What does it this even- mean, though? What does this Here's mean? Here's the is thing. This, so is this a, a don't drink Coke? There's a sugar substitute called erythritol that is in a lot of foods and especially with Is that Splenda? Is that Splenda? There's some in Splenda, but it's very complicated. Okay. So as a matter of fact, I'm not sure I really understand exactly where it is and exactly where it's not because if you look at a packet of Splenda, you don't see it on there in the ingredients. Okay. But if you go to the Splenda website, there they have a comment about it. Uh, so they're talking about it. So it's very unclear at this point. But in the end, there are health experts, there are medical experts who understand the vagaries of this better than I do. This is, a, this is a, a, an early study. Uh, the, 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 thing that was, uh, the thing that I think took everybody by surprise was the robustness of the findings. So it was uh, 4,000 at-risk uh, adults and what they found, what that was the you know the end, and what they found was that the risk of heart attack was very significantly elevated in that population who were had a lot of uh, erythritol in their blood, who were using it a lot, whether it was a sweetener in some Diet type Coke? of because you drink Diet Coke, like you drink Diet Coke. So well, name. so here's the behavioral component of that. Here's where I'm coming from. So I think within the low-carb, high-protein, keto community, there has been sort of this laziness, a little bit of a laziness where we say, okay, we're going to use this sugar substitute and we're going to lean on it to a degree like a crutch because we can eat sweet things, quote-unquote sweet things, without those things having any, any, any sugar or any, any carbs or any calories in them. And that's mm-hmm. been sort of a free ride. And so now we're getting this data, and again, we don't have, there's no finality to this data. This is early on, 
even though the the initial findings are incredibly robust and sort of uh, people are taken aback, I think there is some looking in the mirror and soul searching that has to happen within this community. And here's the analogy. You know, you look at these companies like Beyond Meat, right? And you look at like the vegetarians are eating these fake burgers. And if you look at the ingredients lists of these fake burgers, they're, they're gross and they're long. They're all of these long things, Ixtathakatol and Chakapakatu and whatever. Can't even pronounce the names of them. A Lithuanian basketball have, team. Yeah, it's exactly. It's like, a, right, exa- I'm not even going to say. I'm not even going to say. I'm not going to make okay. a joke that's going to get me canceled. But they're all, you know, it's all kinds of... Uh, of, of, of ingredients, a long list of ingredients that you never heard of. And, and what I always said to myself was, well, why would vegetarians even want to simulate eating beef? If they're so, if they're so dead against beef, why would they want to simulate having a burger? If they're anti-burger, why would, why would you want a fake burger? If like you wouldn't just, you know, you want to eat broccoli or whatever. And no offense to bro- broccoli's great. No offense to broccoli. You can but, offend people, um, though. He's very so animated. So I think right that now. if that is the added, what is that? You're very animated. Keep going. Don't die on that. Love broccoli. So if you're going to take that attitude towards the Beyond Meat people, I think what we have to do from you know the keto, keto and the low carb community is look in the mirror and say, hey, you know what? Whether Splenda is an offender or not, whether these you know keto ice cream, there's erythritol and keto ice cream like crazy. And um, if they're, you know, if that substance is going to make the, you know, platelets more sticky in your arteries, then we shouldn't be eating that. And maybe we shouldn't be wanting to simulate sweetness at all. And so, you know, sometimes I'll enjoy Fresca or Diet Coke. And sometimes I will have, I will eat other things that have this, uh, you know, like some kind of... uh, as a matter of fact, you know, like these keto bars or whatever, um, or even whey protein that is filled with this stuff. And so, you know, earlier today I was looking at uh, whey proteins that have no artificial sweeteners in them. Because I think where I need to go now from a behavioral perspective is just to say, you know what, I'm really healthy, enough is enough, I'm not going to, I'm just, I'm just going to disconnect completely from the sweetness and just going to, you know, I'm an adult. I don't need to have sweet stuff all the time. I don't need to have sugars and candies and all that stuff at all ever. And I'm just going to move on. And I think that that's not only me. I think there's other people within this larger community, within the low-carb community and the high-protein, the keto community. They're going to have to sort of come to terms with the same thing. And, and, and just one last thing. I also know that these, these types of foods do serve an important purpose especially when people that do have health problems that are just transitioning away from a high-carb diet towards a low-carb diet. Maybe they have diabetes or pre-diabetes and they need to do this. It's an acute situation. They, 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 as a transitional object, they need to be using these types of foods because otherwise they're not going to make it over. They need the fake sweetness a little bit. They need to, it's a fake it till you make it situation. They need it. I would say that would be the one caveat. But otherwise, especially leaders within the community, I think we have to come to terms, whether it's urethritol or whether it's any other artificial sweetener, and just say, hey, you know what? Now is the time for us to just kind of curb the sweetener, 
curb the fake sweetener completely, be an adult. Hey, we're just gonna, not going to have that as part of our lives anymore. And your that's body, my, that's, my, how, that's my spiel. Why not, why not just eat regular sugar if you need it, though? Like, is, is it well, that yeah. much worse than going artificial? Like, is it that bad that I drink a glass of chocolate milk a day if it's like... Well, sugar is bad. Sugary? I mean, I'm not, we're not going to health experts, but like... I think you can, Riley. You're burning so many calories. I mean, energy, you know, sugar's just energy. So if you're burning it immediately and your metabolism is like set so high like a hummingbird, you can you can get away with it. I mean, my kids... Yeah, I ate this pizza in a walking desk. I burned 200 calories. Yeah, my kids eat, you know, pasta all the time and they get away with it. They're lean. They have six-packs. All right. Very active. Sugars. Let's share... The sweets, your body doesn't fiend them. Like you go a few days without eating sweets, like your body stops wanting it. Your body's very, very good yeah. at adapting. It takes more exactly. than a couple of days. It takes more than a couple uh, of days. People that have issues with this, and really, it's an addiction issue. It's complicated for them, and it goes back a long time. So I don't want to. Yeah. I don't want to dissuade anybody who's going through the transition, whose early days from using these types of substances necessarily. However, I just want to say that if you're firmly in this camp and you're, you want to like like JC saying, you know, you want to just be, you want Here's to get yourself thing. into a position where you're not you craving it, where you just don't need it anymore. The lesson has all the yeah. Listen, this is a financial show. The number one thing people complain about is the SEC, Goldman, crypto thieves, Food and Drug Administration, food people, the drug people. Those are your enemy, and your enemy isn't the uh, stock market. The enemy is generally yourself and the FDA way above any of these other people. You can't trust anything that comes out of the FDA. You got to like watch your body and know your body. All right, let's move on to we'll have a bigger uh, um, shrink corner next week. couple ideas. I'm going to start. We, we talked about UNG. I'm in that trade. J, uh, JC's in that trade. Uh, my IBKR, I'm still in that. And then Axon broke out. I, I think I had shown this chart. Uh, a few times um, but that is like the best looking tech chart out there people don't know it's a tech company but it's a cloud and I guess not a killing machine but taser which is a tech product um, that is a, what you call that is not a bear market JC is there anything wrong with that thing um, listen new highs are not a characteristic of a downtrend you don't you don't see a lot of new highs in downtrend. new high in a cloud, like basically half their business is a cloud business, and cloud stocks are in the toilet, but they have a private cloud network for police. And then they have the makings of one of the greatest content companies because all those cameras are like movies of, of murder scenes. And then they also have the taser business, and there's something going on. Like all three businesses seem to be humming. I tried to get a couple of the people that I know uh, to comment at, inside the company. Um, but what an incredible it's an arizona company what an incredible uh business they have built and let's be honest taser listen that's a thousand times better to me than a gun cops if cop cops held tasers in this country there'd be a lot of great TikToks, um for sure and a lot less killing so uh, maybe there's just something socially going on right now with that trend as well or it's just a horrific trend of crime and axon is front running something that they see but anyways a breakout's a breakout that to me is a tech stock it's textbook really ripping here today to all-time highs so uh that's 
That's still one of my favorite ideas, but I wouldn't chase it, but that looks great. All right, JC, anything extra? You know, you look at semiconductors and you're looking at, you know, more cyclical. You know, you can argue semiconductors aren't even tech stocks. It's more of a commodity. Um, either way, you know, whatever argument you, you want. I like on semi. It's a name that's paid for a long time. It's one of the strongest areas. So that's ticker symbol O-N. You know, bigger picture. You want to trade against 70, you know, be my guest. You want to be a little bit more nimble, a little more tactical and be long only if it's above 76. I've got no problem with either of those trades. Uh, I think it goes up towards 115. Um, but either way, whether you want to trade it against 70 or trade it against 76, uh, both of those make sense depending on just how nimble you want to be. Below 70, obviously, uh, you can't be long. Uh, but above 70, another, more specifically no, 76, I think you could trade against another, that. Another Arizona company. It's, it's amazing how robust, you know, when we thought about real estate in 08, and I was in the heart of the uh, real estate crash here in 08 in Phoenix, and I left after was it was a one-trick pony town, right? It was it was uh, tumbleweed jokes, but this was this was a, a one-trick pony town speculation around real estate. Here we are in 2023. You got semi-local semiconductor companies. Taser's a local company. You got tourists. You got weather. You've got P- PGA. You we just invest in a local golf company. Um, you've got a diverse. Economy. America is a big ass country, and I think Arizona is probably one of the best states for this new world that we enter in. Howard. Obviously, wild card being water. Wild card being water. Keep going. Yeah. Right. I was going to say, how do you feel about solar? There's another oh, local yeah, yeah, solar yeah. company for breaking solar out to out. its multi. It's broken my heart. I would say it's broken my heart. I'd say the 12th mouse will get the cheese here without me. This stock has destroyed me like 10 times in a row. Where's it? It broke out again? Yep. Yeah, that's a that's. It real. broke out again on earnings today. Um, it's trading at its highest level since like 2009. Yep. So this is yeah, one of those man. companies that like they went public right before the. Recession. Yeah, that's basically all time high. So the question is: Is there something new about the business? Is it supplying versus? Yeah, that is not fake. Uh, I don't have a. I'll take a. I'll take a read for next week and read some research. But yeah, technically that is a monster. JC, did you say take a reefer and do some research? Is that. Maybe, nope. but I said that's technically that's a monster. No, I said I'm going to. Uh, I'm going to. Is that? I'm going to ping a few people. Well, if I wanted to take a reefer, I'd call Phil. There's nobody I feel more comfortable doing five milligrams with than Phil Perlman. Oh, Phil, he ingests it. He it's been a long that. time, guys. It's oh, been, really? It's been a clean. long time for me. I've been. I'm, I'm so clean as a whistle. Like I kind of want to get pulled over by a cop. You know what I mean? I like, I got pulled over by a cop. He's like, you've been drinking. I'm like, dude, I, I can't, I can't even, I haven't been intoxicated in any way in freaking years. I had a, to, to get him to come to Tuscany, I had to smuggle fucking gummies just so he would come to Tuscany. So you're a changed person. It's been a while. Yeah. You're yeah, knocking on my door. Dad, do you have another gummy? And I'm like, dude. Dude, Italy high is a lot of fun. I'm not going to deny that. You, yeah. The freaking, you know, the, the, uh, you know, you go into those uh, you go into those butchers and they shave the meat for you. It's a best story. Best story, Phil Howard story. Italy. We're in a little fucking car, driving a fucking crazy roads there. And Phil Fiat. was in charge. Phil was in charge of maps. Our the Verizon. My Verizon lag was maybe two seconds. And every time we'd hit a roundabout, and I would go on, he goes, "No, you were supposed to turn there." Like everything was a lag, so there wasn't a one turn that we got right for like two weeks. He would go, turn there. I go, what do you mean, turn there? So, 
It was like my aunt Pat. She would be, you know, like, oh, take a take a left back there. You just passed it. <laughs> <laughs> that's what she did. Anyways. That's what she did every time. All right. Any ideas, Phil, or we're out? You're out. Yeah, you know, really, really quick. The right foot roll. Okay, here's a health tip that is fantastic. The right, it's called the right foot roll. I made it up myself, and that is that you want to get off to a good start to every day. When you get a good, you get off to a good start. Chances are you're going to follow through on that. So that's the right foot rule. You get off on the right foot. So that means that early in the day, the first thing you eat, make it a super healthy thing. Eggs, fish, chicken, beef, Greek yogurt. Make sure and eat a lot of it. Sprinkle Don't be shy. It's not about calories. It. You can sprinkle a, sprinkle a little Splenda on that to give it a taste. Don't, you know, I'm just going to, for the time being anyway, don't <laughs> sprinkle Splenda until further notice. There's but nothing just, on their website, by the way. Going, chicken There's breast, shrimp. Salmon, start with the right foot. Right what foot about coffee. What's Black this coffee. thing that they're saying that Black coffee is fantastic? In the first hour of the day, skip the coffee and just drink water for the first hour. How do you feel about that, Pearls? Uh, yeah, you know, I think that's. I, I, I hear that all the time now, and there's, there's like, it's like it affects your chemical and cortisol levels, whatever. It affects everybody different. If you Why know, cut off I mean, a good I wouldn't, for an I wouldn't hour? drink would coffee in the first dump? five minutes you're up, but yeah. in the first twenty minutes, half hour, if you drink coffee and it doesn't affect you badly, it doesn't make you anxious, uh, it doesn't make you hungry, it doesn't do anything, it doesn't get you know your heart doesn't speed up. I wouldn't, I really wouldn't worry about it. I drink good black habits. coffee about that a good morning habit. And a half hour after I wake up, I never have any problem. Once you're forty, that good, that good, that good habit of like starting early where well, I do it with writing and a cup of coffee and going outside walking the dog and then it really helps me not eat until noon it's really a trick Perfect. not eating until noon is like one of the biggest livable hacks again I don't know if I, I can prove anything about it but I'm not dying from not eating until noon great and, for you uh, yeah this wasn't that's a great that's a really good one don't eat till noon don't break your fast with a whole pizza though like that be the only the only uh the only that's kind of where you went. You, you you went left foot with that. Yeah. All right, boys. A little long, but uh, it's good to see you. Sorry I was late. This was great. Thanks, fellas. JC, you was your final that. trade Lindy? My final trade was Lindy um, or the on. I like I like either one. I like them both. Um, you know, nice, well-defined risk levels, which to me is the most important thing. It doesn't really matter how high you think something's going to go. What does the market need to do to prove you're wrong? And if you can't figure that out, you've already lost. And in both of these cases, it's very well-defined. That's good enough for me. Beautiful. All right, kids. Thanks, Adios. folks. Adios. Adios.